0: and welcome back to another episode here on three spooked girls it is i jessica and as always i am joined by my spunky pod half
1: tara Ooh, hi spooksters
0: and this episode is episode three of what could be a billion of the zodiac <laughs> <laughs> yes just kidding it's episode three
1: this is the final volume
0: three the final <laughs> we'll see tara we'll see if it's final okay <laughs> <laughs> obviously tara and i are really excited that we're recording this so <laughs> mm-hmm. there might be giggles it's always hard when it's like a super murderer like this and it's like yeah <laughs> we have a case of the gigs
1: <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> Just,
0: like oh no terrible well, let's get down to business. You can find us on all the socials. That's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, using our handle at 3 Girls. And if you want to hang out with us and get a little bit more personal, we hang out in our group all the time because it's on our phones. And as millennials, our phones are never far from us. <laughs> My phone is right there. I can see Tara on it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to do that, find us at 3 Girls official. We do so much fun things in there. Not only are the memes great and the conversations have turned into these like really great ones. And we discuss cases that like have interested us in different things or past cases when new little things pop up. But we also do things like watch parties. Mm hmm. Watch parties are amazingly fun. You come hang out with us for a couple hours on a Friday night. Pretty much we watch Ghost Adventures. (laughs) But yeah, it's a good time. There's lots of great conversation. It's like social distance drinking at a... It's like going... I think it's my equivalent of going to a bar to watch a sports game. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. Except for I'm at home and I don't have to wear shoes. Truth. So if you want to hang out with us on a more personal level, come hang out with us in the Facebook group. If you want to support our show, there's a way you can definitely do that. We have a Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash three spooked girls or head to the handy dandy show notes Tara puts in. There's a link tree. It says Patreon. You click on it. It takes you right there. If you want to shop around before going all the way to that website, you can do that by hanging out on our Instagram. Tara has these wonderful little highlights that kind of break those all down for you. It also gives you a ton of information about what's happening or what information you might need to know about the show. Like we have a P.O. box.
1: We do. If you want to write us, you can find that in the show notes or the Instagram highlights. We like letters. Mm -hmm.
0: We like cards. Mm -hmm. We send them. We like to get them. (laughs) (laughs) I love writing to people. So, if you want to send us something, you can. Um, it's no pressure. It we would just really like, once we can kind of travel more, if you want to send us postcards of your adventures, we would love that.
1: Mm-hmm. Or even a postcard where you're from, because we're all in different places. Oh, that's true.
0: We have some, like, out-of-country listeners, too. So, like, that would be a vacation for me. That's just going to your grocery store for you, so.
1: Well, that, and it's like, pretty much everybody is where I am not, so... <laughs> because i am up here in alaska it's true
0: well this week we're still sticking with the zodiac drinks i just picked a different one on there i picked my husband's zodiac sign he is a leo oh and so you can check that out it's the blue lagoon represents the leo
1: fun fun
0: and it has our favorite liqueur in it
1: blue (laughs) carousel (laughs) You know, we still get comments of people trying to help us. Carousel. They're like, I know this is like two years old, but if you need to know how to say it, here you go. And I'm like, I always laugh because I'm like, thank you. But we finally YouTubed it. (laughs) I think what happened in our life is it
0: wasn't even that like I would YouTube it or like Google translate it or whatever. It just wouldn't work. (laughs) This is what happens, guys. Once I say something like one time wrong, it's done for me. You don't understand how Tara like... That's it. Ah, there's a fucking spider. <laughs> no, it's hiding. Hold on. Did you get it? You know that plexiglass calendar I have? It was trying to like run under it. I was like, no, I'll never get yeah. it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, bitch. You'll lay some <laughs> eggs there. You'll have a family. Right? There'll be 500 babies. No. Just all of to be like, I can't do anything.
0: <laughs> I'd have to unscrew it. That's too much work.
1: Just burn the apartment down. It's fine. <laughs> burn this shit down. Burn the house down. Anyway, we're back now.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we're back. <laughs> okay. But like I was saying before the spider ran across the wall. If I say something wrong once, it literally, it's in my head forever the wrong way. So that's why I say Curacao. Mm-hmm. Curacao, because it's the way that YouTube says it.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. It's
0: great. So definitely check that out on our Pinterest, which is another form of social media we have. If you want us to do more things with our Pinterest, let us know. Right now, it has some recipes. I was sharing them with you guys, and you didn't seem too enthused, so I stopped.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Quit being salty It's fine Jessica <laughs> I,
0: love, I love sharing recipes I send them to Tara all the time I'm like this is what I made for dinner And she's like I don't care
1: I do not No
0: she doesn't She's like
1: oh, look, that looks good Exactly It's true Trying to throw me under the bus to everybody It's fine
0: <laughs> I sent you another one last night about air, air fryer uh, shish kebabs
1: <gasps> I'll have to go look
0: So Kate decided that one was good because it um it was pretty
1: Okay It'll be on socials tomorrow.
0: Yes. Well, now we're going to take a quick promo break.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll be back in a minute. A fact is something unchanging and can be verified. Opinion, on the other hand, is subjective and a person's point of view. History contains not only facts, but opinions to fill in the gaps. And it's these interpretations that feed urban legends. My name is Brenda. Brenda. And I'm the host of Horrifying History, where you will hear about the unexplained, paranormal, and supernatural happenings that has stained the pages of history. Join us to hear these tales, and you can make up your own minds about what really happened in history. You can find us on any major podcast provider, and on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter to join our conversation.
0: We're back from promo break! <laughs> See what people will do. <laughs> I think it's fun. Tara's like, no, just bring them back normally.
1: I'm leaving it. Yes! That's staying. That's not That's not getting cut.
0: So yes, welcome back from that <laughs> promo break. Okay, so last time we told you we were going to talk about media. Tara, you've seen the movie? Yes. I've seen the movie. You guys should see the movie. That's enough about the movie. We're going to start talking about the theories.
1: Yeah, this episode's going a little different than we originally planned because we rabbit hole, but it's all good.
0: the really great thing about this one is this episode has been really unique because tara and i've watched a lot of the same things Mm -hmm. generally the two of us are like focused on so many different areas when we decided to do a little bit of a different format it gave us a chance to really consume the same mediums that the other person was so it we're hoping that with these episodes it'll be a nice little deep and rich communication
1: um topics yes
0: So quick reminder, Zodiac killed a bunch of people, five people to be exact, had seven victims.
1: You got two episodes to listen to about that. So if you haven't, what are you doing here? Go over there first.
0: Yeah, you have like two (laughs) hours. You got to catch up. (laughs) We hope you listen to the other ones first because we're going to be talking theories. So I just want a little quick rundown. Also, Zodiac has claimed that he has 37 victims. We don't know if that's 37 victims as in, like, killed or if they're, like, the two gentlemen who survived. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We might not ever know.
1: Right. We're gonna know one day. We are gonna.
0: This is true. Paul holes get on it, dude. Yeah.
1: Paul and Billy, go get it. Get it. Go get
0: it. And you can join Sal and Ken. <laughs> I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I meant to bring it up is that the Zodiac killer isn't like a when I say a regular serial killer. Most serial killers take some sort of trophy for them so they can keep reliving, whereas he doesn't really take things Mm -hmm. with the exception of the Paul Stein shirt. But I think that was more because he changed his M.O. And with that, I think he was like he killed a single when I say single man, I mean like he was alone at the time. I think he took the shirt so that when he mailed it with a Zodiac letter, he would be believed.
1: Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. He was using it for proof and to taunt them more to be like, it's me, bitches.
0: Yes. So who could the Zodiac killer be? There's like literally if you like Google Zodiac killer suspects, there's like a list of like 30 plus people.
1: Hmm. So many.
0: Yeah, there's a lot on there, but I'm going to focus on like about four and a half and you'll understand the half in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if I get a little scattery, I'm sorry, people. I watched a very, very, I think it was very good. According to Reddit, it was the worst <laughs> docu-series ever. They're like, the only good thing about this docu-series is that you can make a drinking game out of it.
1: Oh my God.
0: Yeah, every time they say huge, take a drink, or game changer, take a drink. I'm like, okay, one, that's just editing. Like, <laughs> they just keep using the same clip again, so calm down, crazy Reddit person. Right. If you're that crazy res- Reddit person, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, so the first suspect for discussion is going to be Russ Sullivan. Russ Sullivan is, there's a couple people I think it could be. I definitely think it's him, kind of. So if you remember when we, in the last episode, they described the Zodiac about between like six foot to six foot three, 200 to 300 pounds. Like it just varied his description. Well, Russ Sullivan is exactly that. He was about six foot to six three and was about 200 to 300 pounds, depending on the time of life we were at. He looks really like the sketch. When you look at the sketch and then you put it next to his picture, you're like, oh, well, hello there, Zodiac. Yeah. Tara talked last time about the murder that happened in Riverside. Here's the interesting thing about Russ Sullivan. So we know that Sherry Jo Bates went to the River City College and she was killed like kind of on campus, kind of off campus, like it was right near it. Russ Sullivan was... An employee at the library where Sherry Joe was last seen. Yeah. Which is a weird coincidence, if you ask me. Even weirder, he disappeared for like two or so weeks after the murder. Before he left, he always wore like army type jacket and like military boots and whatnot. And when he came back, he had actually completely changed his style to like more of a clean cut, non-military-esque clothing. Yeah, his co-workers thought there was something off about him. He was strange and unfriendly and women co-workers felt very uneasy with him. The archive librarian even wrote a letter to the authorities and named Ross as a strong suspect in the death of Sherry Joe Bates. Can you imagine like your co-workers are like, he did it
1: right? Oh my God.
0: right. Now we know that the zodiac is into his ciphers and codes and whatnot. And so was Russ. In fact, he was educated in codes and cryptology, and he took courses at the college and even wrote like an essay for his English class about code breaking and handwriting patterns. Mm. Mm -hmm. So he studied handwriting patterns as well. So yeah, like I said, he worked in the library, which gave him tons of access to books. And I don't know if you've ever worked in a library or seen librarians, but a lot of times they're reading. I remember my college library, like the students who would work in it were very much like using that time to study because occasionally it's more like nowadays, I'm assuming it's a little more lax because it's like monitoring people on the computers, like not watching porn, I'm assuming. (laughs) But You know, working in a library as a student, it's more like checking books out, that kind of stuff. It's, you know, pretty lax. So, a lot of people that I knew who worked in libraries just did a lot of their own homework. Mm in 1968 Ross moved from Riverside to Santa Cruz which is about a hundred miles from the murder sites and if you're like oh my god it has to be more because like that was my first thought I keep forgetting that the Bay Area is so much closer to each other than it is it's just geographically hard to get to because of traffic now here's an interesting thing that I went off on my own little tangent and Tara was like I'm not sure that's a real thing, Jessica. So (laughs) when he moved to Santa Cruz, he actually became employed at the University of Santa Cruz in the food service. And if you remember, a certain Mr. Ed Kemper's mother worked at the University of Santa Cruz. And it's awfully interesting that they both lived in Santa Cruz. And if Ross is the Zodiac, would have hunted and killed that far away from each other. So my question was, do you think maybe they met?
1: Very good chance. UC Santa Cruz was new at that point and very small. So, yeah, it could have.
0: And Ed got out around that time and was probably visiting his mom. And I don't know, for some reason, I had this whole like murder hotel thing (laughs) (laughs) happening. in my head where like they had lunch together and talked about this and then like Ed Kemper was like that's smart maybe I should go hunt in another area I don't know maybe the Zodiac is responsible for it
1: and then they skipped away holding hands and then they had knives in their hands it's fine stop
0: it like (laughs) Giant giant <laughs> Ed Kemper holding the hand of, like, the Zodiac Killer, like, skipping through a field with machetes on the other end.
1: That's just what I pictured. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, well, Ross definitely lived in Santa Cruz. He lived at A012 20th Street, apartment 2. And here's, like, a weird leap of something that, because we watched this docuseries called The Hunt for the Zodiac, and it's these two, like, detective people who are retired, but they take, like, private cases. And it's really great. Their names are Sal and Ken. I think it's a good docuseries. series.
1: hmm I enjoyed it. I
0: think some of it is, like, definitely, like... <laughs> recreated for TV drama type stuff. Mm. Oh, this happened, so let's make it juicy, like he calls you in the middle of the night type thing, when really it probably happened like Friday at like 10.30 in the morning. Right. (laughs) But, you know, still. In the neighborhood, very, like just a few blocks away from his apartment, was a stationery store called Palace Stationers. And they sold and advertised Zodiac Stationery. They also ran an ad. And if you remember the Halloween postcard that the Zodiac sent Paul Avery, and lucky Paul Avery, <laughs> <laughs> he received an on it. There was a lot going on on that particular one. And this postcard will come up several times in this episode. There was like a cross that said, like going down, it said paradise, and across it, it said slave. Mm-hmm. Well, the palace stationers did the same thing where it said palace going down and stationers across, and they both intersected an in A. Interesting. So that's just like a weird little coincidence. I don't know how I feel about that.
1: Yeah, that could go either way.
0: Right. But if you take that into account, there are two L-shaped patterns in the Z340 cipher, which I just learned what the why they were called like the Z340. It's because it had 340 characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you said that in the last one and I had forgotten. No. <laughs> but I
1: found that out. I was like,
0: why are these things so weirdly numbered? Like, dear God.
1: Yeah, no, we definitely kind of like, I don't want to say we didn't breeze over them, but we definitely focused on the murders more on those. So yeah, we just did like very brief chit chat about them. (laughs) Because I figured they'd come up a lot more here.
0: (laughs) It's okay. So there's two of them, which if you put two L-shaped characters, kind of like invert one and put them back to back, it makes a cross. Also, if you know about The Zodiac Letters, he writes about, like, an opera called The Mikado. The Mikado is, like, the story is Japanese-based, and, I don't know, it's kind of, like, I listened to some of it, and I was like, this is weird, but I like it. (laughs) And the Zodiac, in some of his in one of his letters, or maybe a couple of his letters, actually quotes the executioner that's in the play. Which is interesting, because he's using the executioner, because he sees himself as an executioner, and he's quoting it. So, the other interesting fact is that the Mikado was in Santa Cruz from April 27th to May 1st of 68, and the stationery store sold the tickets.
1: Oh, wow. hmm
0: Also, when Russ was in college... He was in a movie in 1966. Guess what character he played? The murderer. He played the murderer. And in fact, he did such a convincing job that someone actually called the police. Right. Because they thought he was killing someone. Now, before I move on to my next suspect, this next kind of fact, I'm going to hand to Tara because it actually overlays both of them. And it's going to take us about 3,000 miles away from San Francisco
1: Into a little town,
0: I don't know if it's a little town I've ever been, of Albany, New York.
1: (laughs) Yes, so things have been quiet for a while, but then the Albany Times Union newspaper, they got a letter themselves. And that was postmarked August 1st of 1973, and it had, you guessed it, a cross circle drawn in the corner instead of a return address, a.k.a. the Zodiac Killer sign. And the letter read, you were wrong. I'm not dead or in the hospital. I am alive and well, and I'm going to start killing again. Below is the name and location of my next victim, but you had better hurry because I'm going to kill her August 10th at 5 p.m. when the shift changed. Albany is a nice town, end quote. And below that, there was kind of like a mini cipher, I guess, because it was like three rows of all his fucking symbols and shit. And so the FBI looked at it and, you know, some like ciphered code breaking peeps, they looked at it and they said that it read Albany Medical Center. This is only the beginning. So they started looking into this area because obviously it's like way the fuck across the country and they couldn't really find any murders that were that they thought were like linked to him to kind of explain what was going on or figure out who this victim was on August 10th. So they also said now at the time when this happened and then like even in the 90s, they were still saying this because this changes. They were saying they couldn't determine if this letter was written by the person who wrote the Zodiac letter because of lack of significant characteristics. But that changes. But obviously they didn't ever eliminate it. And when they looked back at it the History Channel series that Jessica was talking about, they have this lady that's fucking bomb at like handwriting analysis shit. And she was talking about how it's not always just the the writing, like the letters and stuff, because people can, you know, they'll think to change that. What'll catch it more is like when they do punctuation or certain marks and things like that. So one of the examples she used was that the colons were the same, like they were really hard pressed into the letters and things like that. So small things like that, that they were actually able to connect that, yes, this was a Zodiac letter, whether he was actually going over there to kill anybody or not. Like, you know, we don't know because we still don't know who he is at this point, but he definitely did write it. So I thought that was interesting.
0: Yes. Also with that, Ross is from that area. Mm -hmm. He's from a town really close to Albany. And so there's also this thought that if you kind of knew the geographical area and maybe how people interact. I mean, if he knew someone from back home who worked at the hospital and knew what time they did a shift change, it's a very simple letter you could send off. He could be there visiting, drop a letter. And I don't think necessarily he was going to kill because like, if you look at his letters where he talks about picking the kids as they come bouncing off the bus, I think a lot of times he's tries to sensationalize to get the most attention because the reason they did print the ciphers is to prevent something from like that happening. So if he's like, I'm going to kill, obviously, a medical professional, that's going to get people's attention because those are first responders. They're like, oh, my God, we have to help this person. We have to protect this person. Like the name that on the docuseries they came up with, it didn't even there wasn't even anyone in the town named that. So who knows? He just made shit up.
1: Mm hmm. He's just trying to get some attention. He didn't like that they stopped talking about him so much.
0: Right. Well, he stopped killing people that we know of. So Right. I mean, I'm glad for that. Mm-hmm. Don't want anyone to get that twisted. Yeah. So we're going to move on to suspect number two. And his name is Lawrence Kane and Lawrence kane he's kind of my favorite for the zodiac but russ is too so i'm gonna throw another theory out after i'm done with kane be prepared for theories he was actually born in new york in like brooklyn in that area but did spend some time near albany so this is where they cross. he was actually arrested for prowling many times he was also like involved in some shit he was like kind of a career criminal of sorts low-key I was reading an article where <laughs> he and this other guy drove on the wrong side of the street and, like, wrecked their car and drove it down, like, a little ditch area and then tried to sue people, but it was clearly their fault. So, whatever. But he made a life-changing decision to join the Navy, and he enlisted into the U.S. Navy Reserve Corps. This would connect Lawrence to the Zodiac because there was always been a theory that the Zodiac had military training, not just because of the boots that were found, but because of, like... The way he interacted at like Lake Berryessa, mm-hmm. it seemed very like military stalkery, you know, observe that kind of thing, or at least some sort of military training. Mm-hmm. Guess what he did in the Navy?
1: What did he do? <laughs> he
0: was in radio communications, which means he maintained the radios and their batteries and was responsible for ciphering and deciphering naval codes.
1: Wow, what a coincidence FYI, my dad also
0: did this in the Navy
1: Oh, cool Was your dad the Zodiac?
0: Just kidding I was like, what if my dad was the Zodiac killer? (laughs) I'm not Gary Stewart But anyway, (laughs) so I do kind of know a little bit because my dad, that's what was his job when he was the Navy. So he had to learn different codes and like you learn like Morse code and stuff like that. And like I know my dad used to write shorthand when he'd take messages down or type them shorthand. So codes are a thing in the Navy. Yeah. And some have thought that the Zodiac letters have symbols in them of what are called the booze balls, which are these like specific codes that were used for like military intelligence. And it was developed by a company called Booz Allen and Hamilton. I'm like, that is the greatest name ever. And so like the circles and whatnot, there like, you see that there's like filled in certain ways, like an alphabet or a code for them. Booz Allen and Hamilton, fun facts, that's where Snowden worked when he spilled all his tea. Mm. So like, you know, they got juicy intelligence up in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they also think that, Some of the Zodiac could have nautical. I'll talk about that a little later, some nautical things. But Lawrence Kane lived in San Francisco during 1969. He sold a car. Also, Kane, I believe Kane isn't his original last name. His original last name is Klein. He goes by, like, Larry Kane, Larry Klein... Larry Kay or Lawrence K. like stuff like that. So he's got a lot of names for himself. But at the time, he lived at 217 Eddy, which is located in the theater district. This address is 3.3 miles from Paul Stein's murder, which is about the distance the cab traveled within like a couple of blocks. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Right? Because they think that the Zodiac probably was picked up in his own neighborhood and then walked back. And you think about it, if it was only 3.3 miles, he didn't have to walk that far. And, I mean, if he was out at Barriessa, like, that can be a little bit of treacherous terrain. So, if he was walking out and around. Mm-hmm. Also, he lived close to the Lamplighter Theater, which, at the time of Paul Stein's murder, was showing, guess what play?
1: Hmm. I wonder, what we'll play, Jessica?
0: It's the Mikado.
1: Oh, all these coincidences.
0: Mm -hmm. And individuals who were associated with the theater said that a strange man used to show up wearing various leather costumes, but his description was more like Russ than Lawrence because they described him as tall and big, whereas Lawrence is described as like short and stout. So he does look a little bit like the description, the sketch. If you put glasses on him, he wore plastic black rim glasses. So he kind of looks like him, but not not as much as I would say as Russ Sullivan. But again, it's dark when they got a glimpse of him. True. And you remember our friend Michael from the last episode Mm -hmm. who was attacked by the Zodiac? He actually described the Zodiac as being short and stocky with a belly versus tall. True. That description matches Lawrence Kane. Remember our good friend Ed Rust, who's also on that particular case? In the docuseries, Sal and Kevin are interviewing him, and they ask him, like, do you have a possibility? He goes, I think I know. And he, he thinks it's Lawrence Kane as well, and tells him to, like, talk to this... Um, I'm trying to remember what her title was. Basically, she was in charge of, like, evidence and whatnot for the homicide in San Francisco, and they found that there was... DNA inside the gloves. I'm hoping that they do another, like another round of this mm-hmm. because there's a lot of like unanswered questions like, what does the D, does that DNA match anything? Does the DNA on the pants match? Oh, we will talk about that a little later. Stuff like that hmm So Ed's like, yeah, and there was this other case as well in Tahoe. And so they start to, like, really start looking all over the place. And Kane is also linked to another Zodiac victim. A postcard was sent to Paul Avery from the Zodiac. On December 5th, Lass went to work and didn't return home. She worked at a night nurse at a local casino. And wouldn't you know who worked in an office at that casino as well? <gasps> Who is Kane. He was a real estate agent and he like rented an office. Like I've seen that like when I go to casinos, they'll have like an office inside so that, you know, maybe get people when they win big <laughs> to buy something, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so they worked in close proximity to one another. He was also seen a couple of days after last went missing at a local IHOP kind of being creepy around women, like paying them extra attention and asking them what their zodiac sign was. Not that we've ever heard that the zodiac ever did that, but it's a weird coincidence. Also, I could thought that maybe that's just a weird way to hit on someone. Like, I've had a guy ask me what my zodiac sign was, mm-hmm. and my response is not interested. Gross. <laughs> Good for you. So like I said, Paul Avery received a postcard. In the postcard, it was a picture of the Sierra Club, which is at Incline Village, and the words around in the snow were upside down, and, like, all of this is, like, glued onto this postcard, right? And it said, sought victim 12, and quotation says, peek through the pines, past Lake Tahoe area, and then had the zodiac symbol. Now, like I mentioned, the docuseries, they actually go and investigate this, and they interview Larry Lowe, and Lowe knew Kane as well and said that he knew him very well because Lowe owned a tropical fish store and that Kane, like, it's weird. He collected random things, like a bunch of random things. So he started collecting tropical fish. But Low said when he would go to his house to, like, work with him on, like, his tank or with his fish or stuff like that, he would notice that he collected a lot of different things. Like, he collected a lot of weapons, like knives, guns, swords, other weapon paraphernalia. And he had a huge plaque of the Zodiac or astrological calendar that was on the wall. Another kind of tidbit that links him to just being a serial killer, maybe not the Zodiac, but a serial killer, is that he was obsessed with his mother. That's kind of a checkbox that people tick off, is that he talked about his mother all the time. And even when he was living in Tahoe, he would drive back to the Bay at least once or twice a month because his mother lived there. This would totally give him time to be... In the beta Kill. And it also would give him time to be out on his own because if he says to, like, the people up in Tahoe, hey, I'm going to visit my mom for a few days, but he shows up at his mom's, he may only be at his mom's house one or two days, but could be out hunting and whatnot. So, that brings us to person number three. Now, this one is a very popular and I couldn't do this. I almost didn't enter him in here because of the fact that DNA evidence slightly ruled him out in 2002. But Robert Graysmith is going to go to his graves swearing (laughs) up and down that the Zodiac killer is Arthur Lee Allen. So Arthur Lee Allen is over six feet tall. He's large and overweight. He has a violent temper and he loved weapons. In fact, I watched this documentary. If you remember the documentary that we talked about last time, this is the Zodiac speaking. I believe these are the same people because they're interviewing the same people and they look exactly the same. And I'm like, oh, did you just like have extra footage and created a second documentary? That's smart. I like it. I was hoping they did it for every one of the major suspects, but they did not. But he had a violent temper. And if you (laughs) watch... His name is Arthur Lee Allen that starts with this guy named Ralph, <laughs> Ralph Spinelli talking. And he's like, so I was at this party and I was dancing with this girl and we got a little, you know, and he was basically basically saying that he groped her, but really got on that he was going to sound like a douche. He's like, we were just dancing too close and kissing like there was no like hanky panky. And he's like, but this girl's boyfriend got mad. So then there was like... Basically, he ended up showing up at this guy's house and Ralph was still in high school, but he lived in like a mother-in-law apartment out back and the guy came in, they started fighting. At one point, the other dude grabbed Ralph's penis. This is within the first five minutes of this. I literally text Tara and I was like, so I'm watching this documentary and within the first five minutes, he's like, and then he dropped to his knees and like, because I think like like, if I remember right, like, Ralph hit him, and then he fell, but, like, mm-hmm. to fight back, he just, like, reached up and grabbed, and just grabbed his penis, which would have been really awkward <laughs> for anyone to see. But anyway, the person who finds them is none other than Arthur Leal, and he, like, bursts through the door. Like, Ralph's like, when I say exploded, I don't mean it came off the hinges, I mean it exploded. Okay, he says that a little bit more mafioso, but whatever. Um, <laughs> this is my narrative, I can say it how I want. <laughs> And I'm assuming that Arthur goes by Lee Allen, so I'm assuming Lee, like, beat the shit out of them or something like that because it kind of ends. But anyway, this was in Vallejo or Fairfield. So Arthur Lee Allen was, he lived in the North Bay of the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Like I mentioned, he is the favorite suspect of Robert Smith and David Tochi. So she wash up and write himself a letter because he's an idiot right by the way according to his family he was at Lake Berryessa on September 27th 1969 he was scuba diving oh there is like one report that like he came home and was like had a knife and it was bloody and he was bloody but he also used to fish a lot
1: yeah and that's messy when you're like cutting them up and taking the guts out and
0: Also, like, he could have been, like, in his wetsuit and accidentally, like, maybe got the fit, like, changed, but maybe had gotten the fish on his dry clothes. Mm -hmm. He was honorably discharged from the Navy in 1958, just in time to bust in that door and watch another man grab another man's penis during a fight. Same year. (laughs) I'm never going to get over that. Like, why the fuck would you tell that story? Uh. It sounds horrible. It also (laughs) sounds like a really bad way to tell somebody that you were having like a homosexual encounter no shame in your game i get it. it's 1958 so they're like you couldn't tell people but like you don't have to be like well see i molested his girlfriend and then he was mad and then he grabbed my penis like i don't think that happens (laughs) calling bullshit ralph calling bullshit yeah i don't know what to think about that i don't think ralph listens to this or is alive so at me dude (laughs) sorry being a little aggressive. Calm down. Back to Ali. He was actually fired. He was an elementary school teacher. He was fired in 1968 for allegations of sexual misconduct with some of his students. So if he is a Zodiac, this could be the trigger, which I'll mention a little later. They don't think it's Arthur Lee Allen because they have profiled that the Zodiac is a heterosexual man who is attracted to women his own age. And he obviously preferred children. Ugh. The thought is that he stopped writing letters as of 1974 because Alan was arrested for committing lewd acts upon a 12-year-old boy. What the fuck does upon mean? I don't like that. No. He pled guilty and spent two years in prison. He also owned the same style typewriter of the letter that was sent to the Riverside PD, which was a royal typewriter with the elite type. Which I don't know how popular those were. Guys, I didn't have time to look it up. I had a lot of information to go through, so I apologize. It's okay. His favorite watch was a Zodiac brand watch that he liked to show off. He also may have known Darlene. He lived just minutes from her. And according to her sister, someone was giving Darlene gifts and that person's name was Lee. And if you are to believe what Michael says, because his stories have changed a little bit, Darlene did say, like, don't worry about it. Like, she may have known that it was him just being jealous. And like I said, Arthur went by Lee Allen instead of Arthur Lee Allen. In 2002, they ran his DNA against the DNA found on the stamp. It was inconclusive and did not point to him. But Arthur Lee Allen did die prior to this. He had a heart attack and was found in his living room floor. Gotcha. The letters are also written right-handed and Lee Allen or Lee was a left-handed person and he always was like I'm left-handed I'm not ambidextrous I but according to a lot of his early childhood people dude was ambidextrous because his mother did not think that being left-handed was okay cuz that's a weird thing to not be okay with.
1: Right? What the fuck?
0: And of course, here's the nail in the coffin that is Lee Allen. Um, apparently, he pseudo-confessed, kind of like how Ted Bundy did, to his friend Don Chaney. I'm just going to say this. I don't trust this Don, Donald Chaney, at all. Because I'm going to tell you about him and you're going to be like, what the flying what? That's not a thing. So... Apparently on New Year's in 1964, Cheney was invited over to like Lee's house, and they were going to hang out and do whatever guys do on New Year's Eve. I don't know what that is. I'm assuming drink too much, pass out, and wet themselves. I don't know. <laughs> my experience. <laughs> I'm oh kidding. That's total lie. I'm just trying to picture what like grown men do by themselves on a New Year's, just the two of them.
1: Yeah, that's so random. I don't know. If there's any grown men listening who have done this, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> So let's
0: get into the. uh, This is where that. Remember, I said like four and a half people? This is the half person. We're gonna talk about Don Chaney for a minute. So he's at his house and they're hanging out and he's like, hey, this is Lee. He's like, hey, dude, look at my new watch. It's Zodiac. Is it nice? My mom got it for me. Is it nice? Dude, is it nice? What the fuck? Apparently he got super aggressive over the fact that he wanted to know if the watch was nice. (laughs) And um, the guy was like, yeah, it's cool. Like, there's no reenactment. This is just me. I'm interpreting this from what the guy said. So don't watch it and be like, wow, Jessica was like way up here. But the guy was like super like, yeah, he just wanted to know if it was a nice watch. Like, didn't (laughs) want to be insulted that his mom got him a bad watch. (laughs) <laughs> and I made it super aggressive. It's fine. <laughs> the weird thing about Cheney is as new information rolls in throughout the because basically what happens is that according to him, Lee Allen just tells him everything and Either in 1970 or 1971, Chaney goes to the police and tells them, dude, this guy did it. He told me and tells them this, right? I think he goes in like 1970 to like one police and they don't believe him. And he's talking to another friend. And that guy's like, let's call it the Manhattan Beach Police because that's who we know. But like every bit of evidence from here on out that is linked, like when they were like, uh, there's fingerprints on the cab. He's like, you know what? When I was at Lee's house, right? He had this ball of paraffin wax. And, like, I had been playing with it all day. So then I, like, rubbed it smooth, which I don't know what that means. And then made it glossy so there were no fingerprints. And then Lee really wanted one of my fingerprints, so I stuck my right thumb into it. Because they're like, we pulled a full right thumbprint off the cab. So, let's just say that every little bit of detail, everything. When they came out later and said that the stamps most likely would have DNA because this back in the day we need to lick stamps. He was like, oh, yeah. So I was uh hanging out at Lee's house and he was obviously writing thank you cards because this is after Christmas, mind you. Because the last time he's seen Lee is in 1969. He's like, and we were hanging out and he was addressing thank you cards. And he's like, if you want to help me, you can like stamp some envelopes for me so i stamped a bunch of envelopes for him because that's not fucking weird
1: right that is hella weird what the fuck (laughs)
0: because like okay this sounds like they didn't see each other that often so this would be like tara coming to my house and i was like no no tara i mean my mother-in-law would have been really happy if i had done this after we got married it took me six months to write thank you cards but that's (laughs) just because i started and never finished and then i finished i did finish everyone got thank you cards There you go. Right. But my mother-in-law was not happy with me for a little bit because I did not send them out right away. (laughs) Maybe I should have been more like Lee and said, write down and send them out. But like you would like if Tara came to my house, I hadn't seen her in a long time. I wouldn't be like, I got to write thank you cards. You want to put the stamps on the envelopes for me? No, I'd be like, fuck this. I'll do this tomorrow. Right. And also, wouldn't you notice if he's writing thank you cards and he has like the fucking Zodiac cipher sitting right there? Or and why are you obviously like stamping 9,000 envelopes for the dude? But like that, like every bit of information. Now, he says this is what happened. They started hanging out and Lee was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a murderer. And this is what I'm going to do. And then they go for a car ride and Lee drives them to where Blue Rock Springs and is like driving through the parking lot and is like, see? I'd kill people over here because it's a lover's lane and it would be secluded. And then they continued driving and ended up on Lake Herman Road at the turnoff spot, which is the lover's lane. And it's like, I could do it here too. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get myself a mafia style killing contract where I kill people like in the book, the Agatha Christie book, ABC Murders, where I do a bunch of random murders and then put my my mafia killing in the middle of it. Obviously, I am super paraphrasing. That's not how this guy said it. <laughs> obviously lee tells cheney guy all of this stuff and apparently throughout the whole time he's slipping from like present like from past tense into present tense so he's like i'm gonna do this to when i did this or i did this or whatnot or i have killed people that's not an easy slip i'm sorry and also the zodiac was a national news story how has Don Cheney never heard of the Zodiac killings that have been occurring in the year of 1969? Because it's either when he says New Year's 1969, I don't know if he means New Year's like January 1st or December 31st because he doesn't ever say. But even still, one of the Zodiac murders had already happened like, if it was in January 1st of 1969, 20 days before at the Lake Herman, if I drove past that and I would be like, oh, didn't someone just fucking die over here? Like, you say you're going to kill someone over here? This is weird. But this is why I think it's December 31st, 1969, because it's like, he didn't tell the cops until 1970. Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: otherwise, like, right when all this shit was happening, wouldn't he be like, I know who it is. Blue Rock Springs happened. I know who it is. Like, it's this dude, like, immediately. This is where our good buddy Ralph Spinelli comes back in. Basically, Ralph owns a nightclub A few nightclubs around the Bay Area, like Fairfield, Backville, San Jose. And he co-owned one in Alaska, fun fact. I'm assuming probably in Anchorage. Probably. And the one in Fairfield was called the Crazy Horse Saloon, which, if my memory serves me, is the same name as one in Chico (laughs) that I went to a lot. So I was like, did he own this? Weird. Anyway, so he said he was working there one night and his bouncer, his door guy, was like, hey, there's a dude here to talk to you. And he's like, cool. I'm going to go meet with this guy because that's what people do. They're super busy. Yeah, I'll be out a second. And he goes out and there's Lee. And he's like, hi, my name is Lee Allen. And Ralph is like, cool. And he's like, I just want to say thank you. You know, like, I just wanted to come in and say hi and like, good to see you. And he's like, dude, I don't know you. Who the hell are you? And then he tells them a story about what I deem as penis gate. And he's like, I'm super glad that, like, you know, you didn't call the cops. You didn't press charges. Also, it'd be really hard to be like, and then he grabbed my penis and then that dude busted down the door. Yeah, I don't have a penis, but I'm pretty sure it would be really awkward to tell that story to someone. I don't know. I don't need someone to tell me that it's awkward. I'm just going to assume. If I want a reference, I'll ask Thomas. We're
1: okay. (laughs) We're good.
0: You know, Ralph's like, cool. Like, okay, I got to go back to work. And he's like, dude, I just want to let you know, like, I can provide a service for you and your friend. Mind you, Ralph at this time is in a little bit of trouble because he's been doing some armed robberies in San Jose and Santa Clara of some restaurants. So he's thinking that this guy has got a wire on and he's like, dude, get the hell out of here. What, what services are you talking about? And he's like, I could be a hitman, you know, a muscle. He's like, I'm Zodiac. And he's like, you know, get the hell out of here with this. Like, I don't need this by. And he goes, look, I'll prove it to you. And then he leaves. And then he comes back a month later and he's like, see, I killed a dude for you. Not that Paul Stein had anything to do with ralph at all but like just to prove to him that I, he could kill someone like mafioso style ralph was like you gotta kick rocks dude you got to go he's already in enough trouble he's like i can't have you here as well mm-hmm. now here's a couple reasons why i think that it's not him other than the dna thing when donald fuke who was the sfpd who believes he saw the zodiac that night when he was shown a picture of Lee Allen, he was like very aggressively said he's about 100 pounds overweight. I was like, calm down, Donald. (laughs) You're up there. Like, don't get too excited. Like, he got really excited. I was like, oh, okay. Not Lee Allen. Also, the FBI profiled, like I said, the Zodiac is a heterosexual male who was interested in age-appropriate women, whereas Allen was assumed to be a pedophile. And can we just say that, like... I think the zodiac may be Don Chaney. And hear me out on this. When you take Don Fuchs' description, the one thing he says is he had a very deep widow's peak. And he's like, I didn't know what I don't know what it's called. That's what my parents called it, right? And I was mm-hmm. like, that's so cute. Like he's like trying to be politically correct, but about a widow's peak. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. That's what my mom called mine. Anyway, when you look at a picture of Donald Cheney, If you put glasses on him, he'd look like the Zodiac with that deep V Widow's Peak. So he might be the Zodiac, but we know nothing about him because he was not a suspect. And I mean, he is so hard like championing that it's Lee Allen. Misdirection. hmm So the last person I am so glad to talk about his name is Earl Van Best Jr. And the only reason is is because I wasted four hours of my life watching The Most Dangerous Animal Finding My Father, or whatever the name of it is. It's a docu-series on Hulu. So if you Hulu, actually watch it. It's really good. It's actually really good. It just does not have the ending you expect it to be. So basically, Earl Van Best is a weirdo. He is known before the Zodiac as part of the ice cream shop or ice cream romance or ice cream shop romance. Basically, in 1962, 14-year-old Judy Chandler steps off what at the beginning we think is a town or like a streetcar, but then is later turned into a school bus. And this grown-ass man looks across and sees her and is like, I'm gonna marry that little girl. And then begins to what he says as waiting there to talk to her, to court her, and as, you know, the rest of the world calls it, stalking. Gross. So basically he became pretty persistent and like tried to hang out with Judy and Judy and he goes by Van. Judy and Van became like inseparable and they got married, I think, a couple of times and they had it annulled and blah, blah, blah. It's it's very creepy. If you want to know, watch the documentary or read up on the ice cream shop romance. Basically, she was 14. He was like 20 something. I can't remember. But... They end up running away together twice, and on the second time, Judy ends up with a bun in her oven.
1: Of course.
0: Yeah, because if you're a 1415 year old runaway, protection is right up there, which apparently for Van should have been a priority. They ran away to New Orleans, and... Things were okay while Judy was pregnant because she, of course, was giving all the attention to Van and was like loving and doting and was like, ah, the sun and the moon. And then her baby was born and she had this bouncing baby boy and she was so happy. But the baby cried a lot and that pissed Van off because, one, he wasn't getting the attention he wanted and he hated the sound of the baby crying. So he did what every scumbag of a human does, which is to take the baby away to give it away. So he tells Judy that he takes the baby to like a church in like a town... Farther away, right? I think like in Lafayette or something like that. But that's not necessarily true because what the motherfucker did was take the baby and put it in an apartment building in the stairwell and just left it. So someone finds it and then turns it into a church. And then Judy actually goes and sees the baby and ends up deciding she's going to go home to live with her parents because everything is just getting really crazy. According to Judy, the second she found out that he gave the baby away, She left Van, but the reality of it is, according to her own like journals and things like that, she left like a month later. And she thinks that the inconsistency in her memory has to do with the fact that a lot of times during this time, like, sexual crimes, where there were survivors, how they told them to deal with it was just to, like, get over it and move on. And so that's what she did. She got over it and moved on and she suppressed it. Basically, she returns home. The baby goes up for adoption. And the little baby becomes Gary Stewart. Flash forward till Gary is an adult and he decides to look up his birth mom and he finds her and she's changed her name from Judy to Jude and is now known as Judy Guilford. And she's been married a couple of times other than Van. She married a San Francisco police officer. That's crazy. We'll talk about that in a second. And then I don't know what ended up happening with that, but they're no longer married and she's married to another man who seems very nice. So Van was a bad guy. I really read. He was a very bad guy. He was a real jerk. He actually, uh, supposedly, according to this documentary, hung out with the likes of Manson. Oh, God. And the guy who invented Satanism. ooh, If that's not worse, he played the organ. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I think it's kind of cool when people play organs. I know people who play organs and I'm like, it's an actual super complicated instrument. So whatever. But he remarried. He actually ended up remarrying, I think, a couple of times. But he... M- ended up marrying his social worker oh because he went to prison because statutory rape much mm so basically I'm not gonna tell you the whole docu series but the whole thing is about Gary Stewart trying to find his father and he starts researching he has like a picture of him and it's this is picture that he thinks is like a driver's license picture which actually ends up being his like mugshot <laughs> but it's like funny because that picture is in like everything. Like, in his family historian's, like, book, that's the picture. <laughs> but he basically is, like, sitting around and he's watching TV. This is Gary. He's watching TV. And he is watching an ABC documentary on the Zodiac. And they flash the sketch across. And he's like, that's my dad. Which I will give him. Looks a lot like his dad. However, there are things that don't add up. Like the fact that they can't even place his father in San Francisco or that area at the time of the murders. His father was obviously a pedophile because he married a 14-year-old girl. But it is a good docu-series to watch. It does a lot of, like, explaining, like, Zodiac stuff. So if you want some timeline information, it's actually good. But the problem is, is that Gary spent 17 years obsessing that his father was Zodiac and basically tried to make his father the Zodiac. So when facts would come in that didn't necessarily fit what he went, he would just alter it to make it work. He wrote a book. It's called The Most Dangerous animal of all and it's about his journey finding who his father is and all this stuff he has an author with him who kind of wrote a lot of the true crime aspect of it and her name is susan mustafia i feel for her so hard throughout this documentary because the last like episode where everything unravels i don't know if you've seen it or not
1: i haven't it's
0: like three episodes where they just build up that like earl van best Is and you like you're watching it and you're like, Yeah, I believe this. He could be the zodiac. Oh my God, all these things you have me sold. And then it's like little things like when he retyped up like one of the case files or something like that, he added something that someone said, I think your father was in. This institution, like, he typed it into it and then gave it to Susan as if it was fact. And Susan, being a true crime person, saw what it looked like and was like, oh, this is legit. But Gary had retyped it without her knowledge. He also quoted um, the homicide inspector who's in charge of it, Janico Perucci. He basically said that he called him up and was like, we can't rule out your father due to DNA. Like, he's the only one that matches. This is going to be great for your book. Basically, right now, Earl Van Best Jr. is my number one suspect. And to his thing, too, he also in one of the ciphers in the Z340 cipher, he finds his father's name written out left to right earl van best but they also point out the fact that like this was very forced because there's no way to prove that this was actually saying earl van best or if he was just looking at things to make it happen and a person who you know is a cipher expert who was actually in the h or in the history channel docuseries he was on this one as well and he said if you do it the way that gary did it you could literally come up with thousands of names by just putting over what you want. And Gary was like, mm, I don't believe that. I believe, like, he's basically saying only my father. They start asking these questions because, like, the big thing is that they are watching this, like, news show and they show the zodiacs, the DNA that they pull off of there. And they're watching and they basically, like, pause it and write down the numbers that are blurred out and they send it to this, like, forensic DNA person to run against Gary, you know, because gary would be it and apparently it matches and they're like oh my goodness How did this match? And when they bring this up to the fact that the numbers that were in there were not the Zodiacs, because according to, you know, the detectives and everything, that would be super irresponsible to put the fucking Zodiac's DNA out there for the rest of the world to see. So they made it up and it was blurred. And so when they say this to Gary, he's like, oh, I never sent them the numbers. I just sent them like these five things and they're like, this doesn't even make sense. And then when they ask Susan about it, Susan's like, no, I literally have an email where he sent it to these people with those numbers in it. And then like Gary just kind of like shuts down and stops answering questions about it. But like, this is the first part where Susan's like, wait, what? He lied about that. And then there's like other things that she starts to question. So she sits down with Pierucci and asks him, like, did you say those things to Gary? And he's like, no. That's not what I said. I didn't say that his father is my number one suspect. I did say that his father is not excluded. And he's like, but that's not because of the DNA, but because we don't have all of the evidence and background on your father to exclude him or to include him. And like you just see Susan like just like lose her shit. (laughs) Like there's one part where she just is like, can I have a moment? And she's off in the side and she's like, "That fucking bastard. I was like, get him, Susan. And like he said that like his father lived in San Francisco during 1969, but it was actually proven with his third wife, the lady that was his social worker, he and their little family moved to Austria to live with her parents. And he wasn't even living in the United States during the 1969. He was in Austria. When Gary is questioned about this, he says, oh, no, that's just what her mom told her. Because according to Gary, he just dropped them off in Austria and came back. Now, there's no, like, records of this because, like, there's no records of immigration before 1980, really, that kind of short term. And the really sad thing is, like, Gary does find his dad, but he's dead, and he died in Mexico City in 1984. And it's just, like, sad because at the end of it, he also basically took his own reputation down because he spent 17 years and a couple marriages obsessing over the Zodiac and... His dad is, most he, I'm sure he still thinks his dad is a Zodiac, but there's just too much against it. So if you are in the camp of Earl Van Best as a Zodiac, there's the reasons why he's not. So before I go in to talk about why the Golden State Killer could be the Zodiac, I'm going to hand it to Tara because she's going to talk about some other fun people.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah, this will be pretty brief because most of these were like, no, <laughs> <laughs> actually, all of them were like, no. OK, so let's start with Ted Cruz. This conspiracy theory seemed to kind of pop up on Twitter. It looks like it was back in around 2013 or so. 2014 is when it really was like picking up. First of all, Ted was born in, born on 12-22-1970. So please, and I already saw this Jessica and she laughed at me. Please tell me how did these first murders happen when he wasn't even alive? Was he a ghost? Was he a demon baby? Was he like some kind of like crazy Super Hulk demon Antichrist child and just went on a serial killing spree starting then? I
0: don't know. Is he part of the Donald Trump can time travel conspiracy? <laughs> we won't get into that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, God. I need to know what you guys think. So another fact is he was born in Alberta, Canada. So he wasn't even in the country when he was alive, when he was an infant, when these were happening. Was his father military? I don't know.
0: I'd hope so. Because, dude, you can't remember president if you're not a citizen, like a natural born citizen.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. They did move to the U.S. in 1974, but not California. They moved to Houston, Texas. And if you know anything, he's obviously um, strongly disliked by a lot of people (laughs) and is a politician. But we're not going to go into that. But anyways, kind of when I was reading some articles on it, they're like, yeah, that just kind of adds fuel to the fire because, you know, there's like that quote where they're like, he could just get murdered right here and nobody gives a fuck kind of thing. Paraphrasing. But people also try to say that his birth certificate is forged and I was like, okay, well, how would he still be the Zodiac? Does he time travel? Is he a vampire and he's a Lot older than what he looks, please tell me. But those theories seem more realistic than him being the Zodiac, in my opinion. <laughs> He's a vampire. (laughs) He's a vampire. That's what we're going with. That's a whole
0: different other person.
1: Right. Some other reasonings that people had on Twitter, I pulled some other quotes from that. It was, Ted Cruz was born in Calgary. The Zodiac Killer's first two victims were named Cal and Gary. Theodore Cruz equals 12 letters, Zodiac Killer, 12 letters, 12 signs of the Zodiac. It's almost too perfect. Almost hashtag Zodiac Ted. (laughs) And then apparently they did some kind of poll thing and uh, 38% of Florida voters believe that it is possible that he's the Zodiac killer with 10% being sure that he is. And then it's unknown whether the other 62% have been confronted with formal presentation of evidence.
0: Wait, they have to be presented with evidence? I guess. I am over here just shooketh in my pants. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And then apparently the biggest thing for people who think Ted Cruz is the Zodiac is that the fact that he's never denied it.
0: Why would you even engage on that? Like you weren't born. By the way, this is Ted Cruz's new picture.
1: What the fuck? I wonder if it has anything to do with the
0: fact that he doesn't want to look like the Zodiac. Like, I'm going to grow a beard.
1: Oh, God.
0: Zodiac didn't have a beard. See, I'm not the, I'm not the Zodiac anymore. I have a beard.
1: <laughs> I'm Wolverine.
0: Oh, maybe he's Wolverine and that's how he's killing people before he's born. We've solved it here on Three Spiked Girls.
1: We cracked it. So our next one for y'all is a familiar name. This next theory slash suspect comes from a former detective, Kimberly McGath. She believes the Zodiac is somebody who is already a convicted serial killer, the BTK or Dennis Raider.
0: <laughs> Dennis, you a busy man.
1: <laughs> right. Also, authorities were like, no, Dennis was in the Air Force still during this time and he was in Japan. So there's that. <laughs> He got some good miles. (laughs) Oh, you pretty much segued for me. Kim here is like, no, Dennis would go, you know, jet hopping over to California, kill his people, then go back. It's like, bitch, it doesn't work that way. But she's adding to this theory because, you know, a lot of them were like, especially the early ones, you know, right there by Vallejo type of situation. And that's roughly about 35 minutes from Travis Air Force Base. So basically, she's saying he'd go kill people on his leave and went and hopped and go and murdered people. K K Kimberly.
0: I mean, I don't know how, like, and this is just because I've never looked it up. I don't know how long it takes to fly. And especially, like, I feel like military flights take longer to fly than regular, like, civilian flights. I don't know why I feel like that is, but every military person I've ever talked to is like, oh, you want to talk about the longest flight of my life? Is when I flew from Germany to, like, Virginia. And I'm like, I flew from Germany to San Francisco and it only took nine hours. Like, how long is it taking you? Did you fly backwards?
1: So I just did like, you know, Google flights type of situation. So from Japan to Vallejo, um, it depends where you're going, but it's nine hours if you're flying from Tokyo, if you're at Osaka, which... I don't know where the Air Force Base is there, so I'm not even going to pretend. But anyway, that's 14 hours. And then if you're from... And then there's another city that they have listed that's 17 hours. So potentially, if it's like near Tokyo or even Osaka, that's not terrible, but that's like half a day. And that's a commercial flight.
0: Right. And so you're basically saying that this man spent half a day, flew, got a vehicle, killed... And then basically went back to the Travis Air Force Base and then checked himself back into a flight. And I've been to Travis Air Force Base. Like, I don't remember what Dennis Rader did, but I don't think it was like flying in a cargo plane. That's the only way this would work is if he was like someone who was on a plane. But even then, most of the time you land, you refuel, you fly back.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, I got more of a stretch for you here. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, really quick before that, though. Sorry. So she tries to also compare like his handwriting styles to the Zodiac. And then because like he uses military terminology, but it's like, hello, he was in the fucking Air Force. What do you expect? Like, come on. But anyway, okay. The thing I'm like, that's a stretch. Well, apparently she tried to highlight certain phrases that he would use and said that they were unique to Lutheran sermons, like the Zodiac used these. And then she's like, well, Dennis was the president of his church and da 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 And it's like, yeah, but that was after this would have happened. He did that after he got out of the Air Force, not while he was in there. Right. But maybe she also tried to be like, well, because obviously if he's a president of a church, I'm sure religion was like a big aspect in his life. But still, but still, I feel like that's a reach.
0: But even still, most people don't write. Like, I don't even think in the BTK, like they didn't think he was involved in a church at all because none of his writing ever led to that.
1: Mm No, no. He knew not to do that. Yeah. She also compares Zodiac and BTK by saying they referred to, quote, the game and, quote, hunting, Uh, you know, like talking about their victims and things like that. And then she also grabs the time when the Zodiac said, quote, I'm a wanted man out of Montana and need your keys and wallet to go to Mexico versus Raiders, quote, I am a wanted man out of California and I need your keys and wallet. Okay, people are, like, those kind of people are going to say shit that are, like, states far away from them. Like, that's not, I don't feel like that's telling.
0: Right. No. And there's even this huge thing that it's not even Montana, it's Colorado. So who knows?
1: Right. Because, as you may know, they have completely different MOs and their motivations behind it. Right. And then another, she tried to like say when he was in California, he was basically like safe because he was an out of state stranger so people wouldn't be able to recognize him. But when he was back in Kansas, obviously, he was very well known and stuff like that. So that's why he switched to home invasions. But that makes no sense because literally you're going into the homes of your victims. And if these people are part of the town, you're going to walk up in their house and be like, oh, my God, someone's attacking me. Oh, my God. What are you doing, Dennis?
0: Yeah, I would think it'd be the other way that they would be like he'd be killing quickly and not having the sexual aspect to it in his town, but I get where, like, they look at the fact that most, like, serial killers have, like, a comfort zone of operation, which is kind of why I, Don't think he even if he was ever in California, he probably wouldn't have felt comfortable because if you know anything about Dennis Rader, he stalked his people and the killings like there's no way he could have stalked these individuals. Like if you look at the Barryessa murders, like, yes, he stalked them that day.
1: Yeah, but that that was not long enough if it was Dennis. Right. He was very meticulous with his process.
0: Right. And the fact that there was no sexual aspect. Mm-hmm.
1: That's my biggest thing.
0: Raider would have raped... Cecilia in front of Brian mm-hmm. and then successfully killed both of them.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, obviously when she went to police about this, they were like, uh no. So you know, that's kind of where that fizzles out. But if you would like to hear more about Dennis Rader, we did cover the BTK a while back. I'll add that to the show notes in case you want to listen to that and you might have missed it. But that brings me to my last no suspect, the Unabomber, aka a Ted Kaczynski, someone we haven't covered yet. So some of the links with this was that he lived in the Bay Area from 1967 to 1969. And apparently he once signed a yearbook with the symbol similar to the Zodiacs. Ooh, spooky. But it's also noted that the Zodiac told a victim, which Jessica said, you know, this kind of varies with the Montana thing. Apparently, he said to someone he lived in a town near Lincoln, which is where Ted lived when he was arrested. Also, they both liked letters, like to the newspapers. They both wrote to the Chronicle and always liked to, like, make jabs at investigators. But the San Francisco detectives, they ended up getting the FBI. FBI to cooperate and get Ted's fingerprints to see if they were a match for that bloody one that happened there with the attack that happened with Paul Stein in October. But when they did run it and everything, it wouldn't be a match. And then he also did not have a match with the handwriting analysis either. So this is another one that would get thrown out.
0: And when we do cover uh, the Unabomber, which I know we will because it's on my list, writing was a huge part of that And, yes, he would taunt them, but it was more like he would taunt them about, like, how horrible they were about the world.
1: Mm -hmm. You going to tell us about Golden State Killer?
0: Yes, I am. So I looked online, and a lot of it is like, if they cracked Golden State, can they crack Zodiac with DNA? Well, I'm sure they can, and they're working on it. But a woman by the name of Anne Penn wrote a book called What If? Golden State Killer Zodiac. And I listened to kind of like an interview. I don't know if it was a podcast or like a a radio station. I don't know. It was online. It'll be in the show notes. You know how it is. And I listened to it. And actually, here's the thing. For this to work, you have to believe that there is a change in MO. Modus operandi. Because all of the Zodiac kills are non-sexual based this is where i have a problem with it being the golden state killer this would be amazing if it turned out to be the same person then we've you know both of them off the streets known people can be at peace but here's the thing that means that if he was a zodiac because the killings started in 68 and then the golden state didn't start till later in the 70s That means that he would have started with killing people and then I should say and then went back to burglarizing people just burglarizing people, not killing. So that's like an acceleration, deacceleration, and then acceleration again. So you have a guy who, and according to Anne, she assumed that the Zodiac started really young, uh, like 15. So that would be about like the Riverside. But like, how is a 15-year-old Joseph D'Angelo in Riverside? However... I would recommend listening to this because here's something that... Okay, we'll talk about this in a second. So, but like, in this situation, both killers taunted the police, and it was very much in the same style. They both made phone calls to the police. They both... Um, like, obviously, the Zodiac couldn't call the victims and taunt them, but he would call and, like, taunt, like, Paul Avery or David Toshi or Robert Graysmith. They wrote letters to the press... They both had military backgrounds. Like, D'Angelo was a cop. It's just, like, for this to work, you have to believe that he started with killing, then went to burglarizing, like, breaking and entering, burglarizing, rape, all at the same time, and then moved on to rape and killing. If, like, during the time in which... The Zodiac was happening. Like, if maybe Joseph D'Angelo felt impotent and he couldn't perform sexually, then maybe that's why there's no sexual element to it. Because it's literally like, as we've talked about before, most serial killers who kill with a knife classify as impotent because they're using their knife as a penis. But that would not make sense why he would stab the male victims Like you would think he would just shoot them. The thing that doesn't match is that D'Angelo, yes, he wore a mask when he was burglarizing people and whatnot. But there's no there's never been a report that he was wearing like a symbol or anything like that. And you would think that he would continue on, though it did say that the Zodiac did say in one of his letters that he was going to stop announcing when he did killings that they would look like accidents and other things like that. So there is a huge chance that the Zodiac killer has continued killing throughout the years. We just never knew. But that would also mean that there would have to be, like, burglaries that the Zodiac committed and that the Zodiac would have probably, like, he was so boastful, he would have probably been like, I ransacked or did something. So it's like a big leap. It's a big leap. I don't believe that it's the zodiac. Anne Penn believes it wholeheartedly. She's written a book about it. She's written two books about the Golden State Killer. So there's a huge chance that maybe in her book she has more persuasive stuff. But the book is called What If Golden State or Golden Killer Zodiac. So you can look that up if you want. I just think like to me, it's just it's too hard. It's too hard to believe that someone would start killing and then digress and then regrow competence. Because everyone believes that the one killing that happened in Visalia was a complete accident. Like, it wasn't something that he anticipated. He had a gun to protect him, but, like, I don't think he meant to shoot and kill him. I think it was just a necessity for him to get away. But, yeah. So now we're going to talk about other things that are Zodiac-related real quick. And then we're going to close down for the night. Or the day for you guys. So, did you know that the lunar calendar is 13 months? hmm hmm So they've kind of like a different kind of lunar week or like it's more like a lunar month. I don't really know how to read it. I don't know that much about it. But there is a day called Dally Day, right? Mm -hmm. And the symbol for this day is actually the Zodiac Killer symbol. Here's a fun and interesting fact. On 1220, 1968, it was Dally Day. So was July 4th, 1969. So was September 27th, 1969. So was October 11th, 1969. And so was September 6th, which was the Kathleen Johns abduction. But none of the other cases that are connected to the zodiac are. But that's a lot. And that's quite a coincidence. There is a guy by the name of Dave Peterson. He wrote 11 articles connecting the zodiac to the Riverside. Just wanted to put that out there if you wanted to uh, look it up. He had a lot of information on the Zodiac. The military connection is that they believe that the Zodiac killer understood geographical advantages. So like when you take that into account for the Santa Barbara murder, he actually came towards them at the only vantage point that they could actually escape with some sort of cover. He obviously understood like how to interact with those They think that the ammo was bought at a military base. He obviously had some sort of code training. The nautical flag alphabet is also in the code. They don't know if it stands for what it means, but they're like, the representation is obviously in there. And then the Zodiac wrote about Mount Diablo, which they said that there was a bomb. And in the documentary we watched which I just want to say the docu-series in which they went out and looked for that bomb on the hunt for the Zodiac. I was like, you don't know what the fuck was in there. There's like a military thing, the military facility right up. They could have done some sort of training exercise. Camp Parks is not too far from there. So they could have been doing some sort of like military training. You don't know what you don't know. Also, in the Z-32 cipher, which is the location of the bomb that he was supposed to set, it talks about things like milliradians, which apparently military people understand. It's like the scope and the circle and the stuff. He talks about the magnetic north. I just thought this was a fun tidbit. The bomb he said that he was going to build is exactly like the one Timothy McVeigh built. Fertilizer and stove oil. He also said that he was going to set up a sunlight bomb, which would have had to have a bunch of like intricate mirror work, which I just thought like when he said that, I was like, he's just fucking with them. That's what he's doing. Also, Mount Diablo is it's beautiful. I've hiked it. It's gorgeous. But it's like the whole park area is like 20,000 acres. So if he had a bomb, it could have been anywhere. My favorite part is they were like talking about how like he was going to plant a bomb and little kids bouncing up the school bus. And there's literally a place called School Bus Curve. The ciphers are a big part of the Zodiac. Kevin Knight, who is part of this on this documentary, um, The Hunt for the Zodiac, he cracked a 200-year-old cipher and he built a supercomputer called Carmel. It's a code-cracking supercomputer and basically you can type any kind of linguistic patterns into it and it can, like, analyze the code for different patterns. So they were saying, like, if for some reason the Zodiac knew Chinese, they could plug that in and it would help them. And basically it would look in like non-traditional ways for different things. And unfortunately, they built a supercomputer that learned to think. And my favorite part of this documentary was this part. It wrote a poem. The poem is my favorite. So I, at first I was like, oh, it broke the cipher. But no, it wrote, a, it wrote a poem because it they taught it to think like the Zodiac. The poem it wrote was, Through the taxi and the prison break, Alone and angry at a brutal murder, Surrounded by an artificial lake, Never a convicted murderer. Like aggravated battery, the world of pain and murder, gunmen's kill. Y'all need to stop building supercomputers that write creepy-ass popes. <laughs> I don't like that. Mm-mm. The common denominator between the Zodiac letters and the letters sent to the Riverside Police Department are, one is the use of the word game in the syntax it's used, using it like the most dangerous game, things like that the fact that this whole thing seems like a game. The other thing is he misspelled about 10% of the words because he didn't have spell check like we do now. Probably wishes he did. They also say, which makes cracking his codes harder because if you're trying to spell a word and it's spelled wrong, it's harder to do that. He misspelled twitch and squirm in both in the letter to the Riverside and to the San Francisco Chronicle. And that's really weird that he would leave those two out. Yeah. And then my last little tidbit about it is by a woman a woman named Misty Johansson and she is known as the Zodiac historian so she basically has the largest independent collection of zodiac information And, like, one of the things that I thought was interesting is she was basically saying that the Zodiac isn't some, like, crazy smart, well, I mean, he is a crazy smart guy, but, like, he didn't just come up with, like, the idea of the Zodiac and all that stuff on his own. In the Detective Story magazine in August 1940, which is way before the Zodiac started killing, the symbol of the Zodiac was on the front cover, and there was a story in there about a a serial killer. On the Halloween postcard, like I mentioned earlier, the words by fire, by knife, by gun, and by rope were written. And on the Tim Holtz Red Mask comic books, those exact words were printed around the main character. And it's written by fire, by knife, by gun, by rope. And there was a couple more, but it's like the same diction. And then my last little tidbit for y'all is there was a movie called Charlie Chin at Treasure Island, which was a movie made in 1939 about a serial killer who taunted the San Francisco police by writing letters. So even if you're the fucking Zodiac, you didn't make it up yourself. Yeah. God help from media. So that is what I have about the Zodiac. Tara, who do you think is a Zodiac? Vampire Ted Cruz? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yes, Vampire Ted Cruz.
1: Oh, gosh.
0: I would have loved if you had picked a name that we didn't even cover. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, like, who the fuck is that? Richard Marshall. You're like, that's not an option. Okay, I didn't (laughs) pick him.
1: I just, I don't know. I know when I was watching the history stuff, Lawrence and Ross just really stick out to be a lot. I'm also getting to that crazy conspiracy point that I'm like, everybody's the Zodiac killer. He's the Zodiac killer. He's the Zodiac killer. She's the Zodiac killer. Everyone. (laughs) But those are like my top two, I think, for sure.
0: Now, there is the theory that the Zodiac killer could be two people.
1: Yeah. People tried to tie that in with fucking Ted Cruz, but I'm like, get the fuck out of here with that.
0: But he would have still been a sperm.
1: (laughs) I know we'll see what I read was like it was his dad and then his dad trained him but I'm like but he still would have been a baby <laughs> unless he's a vampire
0: right but like okay yeah <laughs> he still would have been a baby but like right are you saying that he killed other people because like where's the proof in that
1: exactly so yeah those are those are my two who is yours or are yours
0: those are my two as well What I was going to say, I forgot to mention when we were talking about the Zodiac, I was going to bring this up, is that Ann Penn talks about the fact that there are a bunch of random between the last killing that we know of the Golden State Killer, and now there's a bunch of random one-off murders. And could those be the Golden State Killer just between the times? Hmm. But yeah, I actually heavily think that it's Ross Sullivan more than Lawrence. Lawrence has some pretty good, like, you know...
1: There's some good, like, not good stuff, but there's some strong evidence there. But yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think I lean more towards Ross, but those are my top two people, for sure. Or
0: Don Chaney. I mean, God, oh, like Don my Chaney God. just is like, dude looks like him.
1: A lot of white dudes look like him. Let me just be fair. Let me just say that.
0: <laughs> That's true. It's a generic white dude, like, with glasses. Right. In the 60s? Oh, my gosh. Those square-rimmed glasses? Oh, Jesus. Could you have picked a more generic person?
1: yeah seriously
0: my my only thought with him is that when don talks about like the deep widow's peak like he has a deep widow's peak and there's just something a little off about him like he was supposed to take a polygraph test and then he got drunk the night before and came in hung over so that he couldn't by the time he sobered up and took the test it came back inconclusive so there's just some things i don't trust about him per se
1: yeah no definitely
0: yeah But yeah, I think Kane is definitely a killer. I just don't know if he's the Zodiac killer. True, But I don't know, like, in a way you have to be really smart for this because you have to understand coding, you have to understand evasion of the police, how the police work, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, but then they also said like a lot of the stuff he learned was from like detective magazines and stuff like that. And then you brought up other media too. So it's like, it could go either way, but obviously I think, unfortunately, and I don't like complimenting serial killers, obviously whoever this is is an intelligent person, however they were learning their information.
0: Right, and picking obscure things like detective magazines and comic books, like, those would be things that were so innocuous.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not like now. Mm-hmm.
0: Pe- no, like, people wouldn't be like, oh, well, it's, you know, they learned it, he he reads the Red Mask comic book, you know, People are going to be looking, they're assuming he's a super hyper, he's like a hyper intelligent person. So they're going to scour like, you know, the Odyssey, a classic, something like that to like see where he gets it from. And so it's almost genius that he's pulling it from like, you know, not like a Harvard level education or type I don't know. I hope that we figure out who it is because there's still families like uh, people are still alive.
1: Yeah, there's plenty of people that are still alive for sure.
0: Right. Oh, and I don't know if we mentioned this, but like if you watch the series and everything and you're like, oh, wow, that detective, (laughs) Tushi or whatever his name is, he's really amazing. He actually he got fired From the homicide department because he was so desperate, he wrote himself a Zodiac letter. And then he got caught because he wrote himself fan letters to the San Francisco Chronicle. And the journalist that he wrote it to went, these two look the same. And oh, they found out it was him. So he got like sent to like a lower crime and then he ended up getting either let go or fired or something like that or left. And he is now a security guard at a hospital or was. I don't think he is now. I think he's probably retired or passed. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so that's going to conclude it for the zodiac with us. Um, we hope you have enjoyed our little mini series on this, and we will see you on whatever day. This is a Monday. We'll see you on Thursday for a stabby or a patron select. I don't know what's coming up. You're gonna figure. You're gonna find out on Thursday.
1: More episodes, yes. <laughs>
0: More episodes.
1: Bye. Bye.